So uh, last week's message was called Marvelous Light, and I entitled this one More Light, you know, because that's really, um, that's intelligent of me. You know, just more light, okay? So uh, just a few reminders that um, what we talked about last week is that we were made for a purpose, like those bugs that float around that light bulb on the back porch in the summer um, night. You know, and they're all various bugs, and they don't really have anything in common in a lot of cases, but they're drawn together because of the common denominator, the light. And um, some are closer to the light, evidently more radiant. We can see more transparency. They have a lot less to hide. And then there are those that are further away from the light for whatever reason. Maybe they just are afraid of the light. They are not trusting of the light. They're trying to get there. They're trying to graduate. And those with more light should help those with less light. Now, this light I'm talking about has nothing to do with the gift of salvation. That's a complete deal. It's, it's a done deal, right? I'm talking about light in terms of walking in darkness when we've been called out, right? And light that is, um, we, we, like petty permissions will harbor dark spots is what I'm calling them. Dark spots, meaning that, no, I'm going to keep this lie alive because I need my cigarettes, you know, whatever. And believe me, smoking cigarettes is not, um, that's not going to keep you from going to heaven. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that if, if I choose to hold on to something believing it can't be removed, I die without it. You know, I got to have it, that kind of thing, right? So what we don't want to do is get into a place where we don't think God is able to deliver us from anything. We, we want to, and it's not even a, a, a fact of trying to convince ourselves. It's really uh, the fact of trying to believe God. And so what we want to do is we want to believe God, so we'll need his help in order to believe him, Right? Right? Bless the Lord. So now the light was turned on, you know, and we're still, <laughs> you know, I know me, you know, darkness is attractive. It looks like light in a lot of cases, right? Because before we were totally submersed in darkness, we thought it was great. We were in total darkness. Now the light's been turned on. We have the light, we have access to it, but we're holding on, clinging to dark spots, you know. And so um, we want to we be transparent. The kingdom of God is transparent. Um, God said in his word that um, basically that Satan was the apple of his eye until unrighteousness was found in him, right? It's like I see a dark spot. And you can't be in this kingdom with dark spots, right? So um, that's the work he's doing in us, cleaning out all the spots, all the darkness and stuff. So Genesis 1-3 says, and God said, let there be light. Now, uh, this light God's talking about, I'm just a major believer that it had to do with more than eyesight visibility. Okay, 
the sun and the moon came chapters later. We talked about it last week. Okay, so he gave the one for the greater light, the sun, the moon for the lesser light, and the stars also, right? Okay, so um, that's chapters later after let there be light. And I believe, you, you can argue with me if you want. You'll be wrong. But <laughs> I believe that this light, <laughs> I believe this light has more to do with truth. Okay? And God is truth. Jesus is truth. Bless the Lord. So, um, so, a question I had yesterday when I was doing this study, I think I looked it up before, but I'm getting old, so I f- forgot the answer. But does light have matter? Secular scientists say no. There's no matter, meaning particle, right, mass or whatever, in light, right? But when Christ is on the scene, I believe it does, okay? So Matthew 4.16 says, The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, and those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death upon them, a light dawned. Now, if I'm sitting out in the night, I should expect to see the sun tomorrow. Or even at night, I should expect the moon, unless it's cloudy or whatever, right? And the moon is a great light. So obviously, that's not what they're talking about here, right? Because it says, people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light, okay? So if I'm sitting in darkness, and then I'm like Paul the apostle, and all of a sudden I see a great light, right? That's a different kind of light, right? Here's a light in the daylight, right? Okay, it's bright outside, and here's a brighter light, okay? Brighter than the sun, right? Okay, Matthew 4.17 says... There he was transfigured before him. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as light. Transfiguration means a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. Right? Um, So Jesus was transformed in front of them. It doesn't say that lights shine down from heaven on Jesus. Right? It's saying he was revealed as radiant light, right? Okay, a transfiguration. Yeah. So then uh, John eight twelve says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So now, right now, if I told you I was the light, if I told you that, you'd see David, okay? So I'm kind of going back and forth with this. You wouldn't necessarily see any light. Right now, I'm not transfigured or radiating any kind of light that I know of, right? So, probably more dark spots than anything, right? But if, you, if, you, if I told you that, it must mean something else other than visibil- visibility, right? right, right, or, right? It means, uh, look, I'm the truth. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm the truth, that same truth we talked about a minute ago in Genesis 1. Let there be truth, okay? Bless the Lord. So um, now speaking of darkness, does darkness have matter? Uh, Secular scientists believe it 
does. They believe darkness has matter because there's dark matter. We've heard of it, you know. And then uh, Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hoovering over the face of the waters. So the darkness had to be more than a lack of illumination for our eyesight. Right? Notice it doesn't say God created light and dark. Right? Just God created light. Right? And then light is able to expose the stuff going on in the dark. And if that light that God created, I'm claiming, is truth, then it's exposing a lie. Right? So there's something wrong here. Right? A chaotic mass. You know, that doesn't sound like God. God is in orderly. Things are in order. A chaotic mass with the Spirit of, of God brooding over it. That's something to consider. So, um, the darkness had to be more than a lack of illumination. Exodus 10.21 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land, a darkness which may be felt. That's a different kind of darkness. I talked about it before. You know, you don't just feel darkness, but they did. Right? What would that feel like? Maybe walking in a mud pack or something and cold and, you know, or what, what might that feel like, right? So um, we don't want to feel it, okay? You don't want a darkness <laughs> that you can feel, you know? I want to feel that. No, you don't. Um, Isaiah 61, 61 and 2 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. I love Isaiah 60, and I, I quote it all the time. I could probably recite it. I, I, I love it so much because I recognize that it was something that the Jews were hoping for. But when I was reading it, I said some of this stuff has not happened. It has to be a foretelling of what's going to happen, right? And so... Um, what the Lord is saying is that darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. We need let there be light or let there be truth, right? We're getting to a place where we don't see the darkness that's being described here as light versus darkness that we have morning and evening, right? Day and night. This darkness is a lie and people are believing a lie. And it's thick over the heads and minds of people. Okay? It's just not what's permeating out there. But talk to some people that don't or that reject the Lord right now. They're talking some crazy stuff. And it's darkness. Darkness is over their minds. We have dark spots and we're dealing with people that are flooded with darkness. No light at all. No light. Bless the Lord. So, light and darkness contain matter, and I believe that's the truth of the matter. All right? So, so now we have um, Revelation 21 that says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the seas were no more. Uh, that seas, by the way, we studied it in Bible study. Um, and um, 
Um, actually, that doesn't mean there won't be seas in heaven, just like it doesn't mean there won't be sun and moon, all right? Heaven will be connected to the new earth. It's going to be joined, and I'll explain that in a minute. So whatever we believed before, it's, it's, I'm going to explain some things, take it or leave it, right? But, um, but this darkness... I'm sorry, the sea is, um, when, when they're talking about the sea here, more than likely it's the troubled water that they used to always have to battle. They're out on the sea, Jesus is asleep, and the waves are, right? Or they're out on the sea, and, you know, and they, somebody needs to be thrown overboard because, <laughs> right? Or all of the, 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 look, their livelihood in most cases were, um, as fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, that was a rough and tumble um, uh, water that would have, um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's like a current that would come any minute, just unsuspecting, and just take you for a ride of your life because you may die today, you know. So the, the water was rough and it was unpredictable. And this is saying that that won't be the case. No more seas, meaning no more rough and tumble water. Because actually we see that there's going to be water in the New Jerusalem. But going on, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be their God. Okay, bless the Lord. That's, that's exciting right there. Behold. The dwelling place of God is with man. Where are we? Man is here. God is going to dwell with us. Okay? Bless the Lord. Now, we have places to go before this happens. Right? Some of us will be coming back with him. Some of us will be rising up to him. But the bottom line is that this earth is not null and void. It was created for the purpose God intended it has, that purpose has not been thwarted. We're going to keep this place in a renewed state that we'll appreciate and enjoy as God intended. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. So, a new heaven and a new earth. It's often been thought that we Christians would go to be with God in heaven for eternity. Uh, Jesus said, um, in Luke 23, 43, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay, paradise is what is called an intermediary place. Okay? Um, um, this is different than Hades where the Catholics are stating you can go to Hades. I guess it's Hades. And you go there and then um, we can... We can buy you out of there, get your soul out, and get it to have. It's not that. It's an intermediary place, and you kind of get a picture of it in the parable of the rich man and the beggar where Lazarus is on the one side of the chasm and the rich man's at Abraham's bosom. So paradise is also called Abraham's bosom. Um, this is where we go. We go where Jesus went when Jesus died, Okay. That's where Jesus went. That's Sheol. That's where Jesus went to set people 
free. In other words, it's not hell that Jesus goes to. Because once you go to hell, and hell is, by the way, the lake of fire. All right? That's the lake of fire. Once you go to hell, there's no redemption. All right? It wouldn't make sense for Christ to go here where there's no redemption and redeem the, the lost, the people have, that have decided not to go with Christ. Okay? So that would be a wasted effort. And besides that, Christ doesn't go to hell. He, carried, he died for our sins, suffered the wrath, but he was the, the lamb that could atone our guilt. Okay? So nothing else could do it except for him. So in his purified state, even though he took on the sin of the world, he doesn't get condemned to hell. He doesn't go to hell. There's no rescue for us once we go to hell. If we go to hell, don't go to hell. Don't go. Don't fool yourself. It's, it's not total annihilation in hell. It's life forevermore in hell, separated from God. While I'm on the subject, will God be in hell then because God is everywhere? Right. But there's a part of God that will be overseeing hell, and that's called the wrath of God. Okay? His wrath will be there. <laughs> okay? The wrath of God will be there. There's a scripture to back it up. We talked about it in Bible study. Okay, but back on topic. Because when I look around, I see people looking at me like, get back on topic. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Travel with me all over because I'll go all over the place. Yeah. While the kingdom of God is first planted spiritually in human hearts, the future blessedness of our dwelling should not be spiritualized in the same manner. Acts 3.21 says, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Romans 8.19-23 says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, this is indicative of this place that we live on, waiting for renewal. Okay? Fix us. Fix the animals. Fix the earth. Please fix us. Okay? So we're waiting eagerly because we're about sick of ourselves by now anyway. Wondering why we just can't get it. You know, come on with a rapid fix. Just <laughs> finish, finish this because in a minute I want to go there and I want to do that and I want to, right? So about, about now we're about sick of ourselves, right? 
We need to be fixed. Second Peter says, Second Peter 3, 4, and 8 says, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. That's scoffing, right? They're, they're scoffing. Where, where, where is this coming? Things are still the same and he's not here, right? For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged, covered with water, and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the godly. So why did I bring this scripture up? Because destruction, again, does not mean total annihilation. So when God says he's going to destroy the earth, that doesn't mean, oh, I got to do away with all this earth and universe that I created because man messed it up and I have to start all over again. No, he's in the, look, he's repairing you and he's repairing me and he's repairing this place. Isaiah 60 has a statement in it that says, I will glorify the place for my feet. He's talking about his temple. That doesn't mean I'll create a new place for my feet. I'm going to glorify it because it'll be fitting for me. He deserves a glorified place. Bless the Lord. So destroying, yeah, destroying the earth with water and destroying the earth with fire, again, is not total annihilation. Revelation 21 and 2 Peter 3.10 say that the present earth and heaven will pass away, which means out of existence, caterpillars pass away. That same caterpillar becomes a butterfly, Okay. Expect transformation in your life. Expect to see transformation in the people in your life that belong to him. Expect to see transformation on this planet. And in the cosmos. Because we're up there now sinning. Dark spots. (laughs) It's true. So his, um, if anything, we'd like to say the plan God had, he postponed it. We should view it as a postponement. It wasn't lost or overruled, but it will be overhauled. Okay? Satan couldn't stop God's plan. God postponed his plan for us because we need fixing. All right? Bless the Lord. And it's not that there wasn't a plan in place to fix us, but God is orderly and timely. So he cares about the seed you have and the seed of your seed, right? So down the line, that seed matters. You didn't know your great, great, great grandson that was coming. You're not here. God knew. So the plan is timely to cover even your seed, because he loves you. It's a far, far cry and stark contrast to the abortion rights 
issues that are going on where that's not even life. Right? The enemy has always tried to stop the production of life. Always. He's very jealous. He wants us dead. But before we die, he wants our worship. So the garden didn't go away. Adam went away. Okay? The garden didn't go anywhere. Adam went somewhere. All right? Cursed is the ground because of you. Genesis 3.19 says, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Here's something to think about. Adam wasn't taken from the ground in the garden. He was taken from the ground outside the garden and placed in the garden. Right? Created outside of the garden, banished so he and his offspring wouldn't live forever in the state of sinfulness. Right? Okay. I believe... The joining of heaven and earth that's going to take place, and I'll point that out in a second. We might not be long today. Yeah, so I'll point that out in a second. Um, It appears heaven and earth were joined to begin with. God walking about in the garden in the cool of the evening. God took Adam and placed him in the garden. This is a a combination of earth. We have this garden experience here. There's a union or unity. There's a, a joint, a joined combination going on here. In other words, if I can just talk with God in the garden in the evening, I must be on some kind of ground that's holy, right? It's different than the ground outside of the garden because the Bible doesn't say he's out there walking around, right? This is his garden. The garden of God. Other names are paradise, the mountain of God. Honest to goodness, it's not just Eden, the garden. Eden means a walled garden. That's what it means. But in this walled garden is like a temple of God. Solomon, in all his drawings in the temple, they're depicted as trees and plants and animals and all of this that look very much like a garden, right? In his temple, right? So what what I think is that's trying to be conveyed here, or what I'm picking up, is that Here's a place where we can commune with God. God wanted it that way. Place him in my garden. Right? All right. Genesis 3, 24 says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man 
And at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. That's unjoined. At least you're not able to come into this atmosphere anymore. And I'm going to place an angel at the gate so no one can. Right? There's a division now. So there wasn't a division in the first place until God divided it. Right? And so Revelations 11.15 says, Then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world would have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdoms of this world, existing kingdoms, will become the kingdoms of our Lord. And he will reign over what? Those kingdoms forever and ever and ever. Right? Revelation 21.3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people. God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. There's a rejoining. So there was a joining, a disconnect, and now we're joining up again. Bless the Lord. The mountain of God, which is also depicted as the garden, paradise. Honestly, Ezekiel 28, 13 through 15 says, you were in Eden. God is addressing Satan. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in your gold were your settings and your engravings. On that day you were created, they were prepared. Some translations use, you were in Eden, the paradise of God. Paradise, where we're going. Until we're all back together on the earth as God intended. So here's like a waiting place, a waiting tank so to speak. It's a good place, okay? It's the paradise of God. <laughs> but he's going to, Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. So that ultimately means clean up this mess. Right? So that this is what he thinks of us. He's going to clean this mess up so that we'll have a place that's beautiful as he intended in the first place. Bless the Lord. Eden was not just the garden, but the whole mountain of God. Why do I believe Eden was a mountain? Because the Pison and the Tigris and the Euphrates and these rivers flow out of it. Rivers come down the mountain. That's how they flow, right? That shows us that the garden was in Eden on the east. How can we know that Eden was a mountain? Those rivers are an indication. It was upon this mountain on the east side within the garden specifically prepared for them that Adam and Eve lived prior to sin. Here, every evening in the cool of the day, God himself would come and communicate with Adam and Eve. Adam was the son of God, a son of God. 
Luke 30, Luke 3, 38 says that. To him was given the dominion of the earth, Genesis 1, 26 and 28. But Adam lost his dominion when he sinned and was driven from Eden. Now, this glorious mountain must have been in full view of the ancients. And this is something to think about because I always thought that when we have our imaginations. And, you know, I always thought that when God expelled uh, Adam from the garden, it, it just a flaming sword with an angel. I can't see that today. It must have disappeared or, you know what I mean? It's just invisible. It's invisible to me. So, um, but there's a series of things that have happened over time. Um, if, If you study even the what would we say, non-Messianic Jewish studies, right? They'll tell you what was going on at the time. So um, the glorious mountain must have been in full view of the ancients living prior to the flood. There's no one saying that, but this is logic, right? Consider the Lord says they placed an angel at the entrance. I just always thought it was a spiritual invis- spiritually invisible to people. It doesn't say he hid Eden. It doesn't say that, Right? So, like we do, when we look at the Grand Canyon and study continental plate shifting and come up with our own secular takes, they obviously rejected the truth right in their faces. This holy mountain, generation after generation after generation, is still sitting there. We know it's up there. But we're going to reject the call and drown in this flood coming. You get it? It's kind of like, here's the evidence, but no, that's something else. Well, you know they won't let you go in. Oh, that's the government. You know, they up there. That, you know. It's not God. It's, it, it has to be everything else. <laughs> the Jewish historian, Josephus, you guys have heard of him. It's been stated that Noah's Ark was still visible even in the day of Jesus. It was visible even in the day of, of Josephus. When he lived, he lived a few, uh, maybe a, 10 years or so after Jesus died. Josephus comes on the scene. He's saying that people were going, now this is a writer, historian, journalist, right? Among other things, they called him a traitor too. But he's writing facts and people are going up to the ark and they're taking bits and pieces off the ark and making amulets out of them for good luck and all of this kind of sort of stuff. He's not the only one that made this claim or this statement. So it's not enough that after all these years, that ark is still up there, but we're not (laughs) accepting the Lord. Just like Eden's still up there, right? I mean, over time, darkness just continues to cover our minds so that, you know, what's right is wrong and what's light is dark. And there's just no sense in believing what's in our face. You know, he's not a man. He's gender neutral, right? No, don't call him a man. Call him whatever he prefers. Right in my face, biologically, anatomically, a man. Right? All right, so we get to a place where we just reject and renounce all the, they're not even clues. They're, They're facts. Darkness covers the earth. And thick darkness is over the people. Bless the Lord. Lord. 
you look at the Grand Canyon and you see layers after layers of sedimentary rock, right? And rather than to believe the flood did this, millions of years and billions of years of deposits have called these, caused these layers. That's, a better, that's better than God. It, yeah, that's, yeah, we'll go for that. And then um, they'll even discover, like, here's a tree that grew up through all those millions of layers. There's no way in the world, <laughs> right? You see the tree or a fish perpendicular. Um, this thing. All right. Or a fish. I think it got caught on my neck. Turtleneck. But a fish, perpendicular. Fish are usually going horizontally swimming through, right? Here's one perpendicular. It couldn't last from the bottom to his head, perpendicular over millions of years and be in that fossilized state, right? It doesn't, but these things don't matter. What matters is that we get our lie out there for whatever reason. Because I'm a fish scientist, and I need my check, right? I, I need, you know, I'm into, I need to get paid, right? This is what I'm thriving. I have to live. Why not lie? I, you know, why not? What's it going to hurt? Look, we can't buy the lie. When the media is talking to us, that's not the voice of God. Expect, expect satanic influence. Expect it, because you're going to get truth seasoned with a lie. If you're buying everything they're saying, it's not credited to you the wisdom that God is trying to impart to you. It's, 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 it takes away for, we can't run around to each other and even our secular neighbors. Yeah, you know Biden. You know, he love us. You know, reparations, they coming, you know. That you look, if you do and there's no reparations, they're looking at you as non-credible. Did God say reparations? Tell them what God said. We're going to have everything restored to us that the canker worm, the locust, the palmer worm, and the caterpillar have eaten. Tell them that. Tell them what's in the scripture. Don't parrot the media when it doesn't come to, to pass, you look like a false prophet. And if you look like a false prophet, then your God is false and your Bible is false and everything. It's all false. Don't play. Bless the Lord. Once you walked in darkness, now you've come to the marvelous light. There's more light to come. That's why I called it more light. <laughs> shine, shine, shine. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I've got to wrap it up because we, we have communion. Um, so, um, uh, Matthew 13, 43 says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let them hear. We're going to shine. You can't shine like the sun with dark spots. So the Lord's going to remove those. Dark. I got plenty of dark spots. Don't look at me. The, the, right? Okay. <laughs> the Lord. 
<laughs> he's going to remove these spots. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on God. I can't do it. All I can do is cover. I've spent time covering. Give me some fig leaves. You know, this. I got to cover my spots, right? I can't do it. I need him to do it. He's honored that I'm requesting him to do it. It's God honoring, right? I'm not going to count on me anymore. I'm sitting up here too old to think I can tie my shoe. What the heck? I'm going to remove these dark spots. I need the Lord to do it. Don't forget what we have access to the Lord. Look, he wants to fix us. He wants us to shine like the sun. No spots. Bless the Lord. On the other hand, whenever I read you and or uh, Romans, I think of you and, and, um, and Brother Jeff. But um, Jude 12 through 13. 12, these are hidden reefs at your love feasts. <laughs> that rhymes, by the way. I didn't write that. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts. <laughs> As they feast with you without fear, sitting at the table fearless, eating with you full of sin is basically what's going on here. Shepherds feeding themselves waterless clouds. I mean, think about it. Jude is on it, right? I'm sorry for breaking it up, but I'm thinking as I'm talking. Swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead. Twice dead. Uprooted. Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars, from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Now consider that description. Utter darkness is reserved forever for those that walked in the dark. If you are children of the darkness, do you expect light for your return? <laughs> right? No, that, 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 that darkness you can feel is waiting for you to feel it. Is there waiting? Listen, you never die. I'm not telling you guys, I'm telling us in contrast to not only saving us undeserving sinners and then offering us a place where he would glorify his feet, right? This is the God of everything. We get this for our faith in him where I chose to instead be a paleontologist to work against him, right? What do I get for that? Life. I don't die, but life in hell in utter darkness forever and ever. Because in his infinite wisdom, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his all-knowing, he didn't make things to die forever. Everything he made is going to live forever somewhere. Somewhere. Right? You don't want to live there. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. I don't care. This should provoke you. You're not going there. 
But if you like your grocer, she's so friendly to you. You guys high five, you better tell her. Tell her now. Because she'll welcome you into humble abodes when you get to heaven. In other words, because of you, you'll be a welcome guest in her house or his house because you told them the truth. You put that friendship which was surface on the side, surface friendships, because you know you can't have too close of a friendship. How can light join with darkness, right? So you got this surface thing going and she think you cool and you think she cool and she's going to hell and you going to heaven. And it could very well be she's going to hell because you never told her. If she likes you, be a light. If she likes you, be more light for her and her friends and family. Light up the place. All right? We're able. And I don't mean just go get some flashlights and shine them on yourself. Light the truth. Bring the truth of the gospel into the midst of the people. It's sometimes harder to tell somebody that you know about Christ than it is to a stranger. Because, you know, you've been dilly-dallying, then all of a sudden one day, you know, you know how, what you think about Jesus? You don't even know how to get it out. Because you didn't sit up there and acted a fool all this, <laughs> all this time with the person, right? Right? Okay. Ask God. He'll give you the courage and the boldness to do it. This is, look, God is good for all that. Right? Be a light. <laughs> Be a light. We're lights in darkness. Revelation 21 says, and I'm going to close with this because I, I'm, 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 I can send you my notes. Just text me. So, <laughs> Revelation 21 says, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Last week, I said something about um, buying from him, but I didn't say it was free. I meant to. So it's free. So when you buy from him, it doesn't cost you. Okay. Um, the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son and daughters. Okay. Um, you guys know that means you too. All right. Uh, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, <clears throat> I, I didn't plan to close with that, but I'm going to. But now, look, we still all have all those inclinations, okay? So we deserve what was just described here right? But we're spared the second death. This, this, this is a big deal, okay? It really, really is. It, it is. And if you can convey to people, right, what you want to convey to the people while they're out fighting for justice because they've been treated unjustly and, and there's a lot of injustice going on. If you're laying any kind of foundation it can't just be a social. 
move. That's not going to spare you from the second death. You can go out and fight for the civil rights of the people and you can die the second death. Right? Your son, they can put him up as a martyr and put your daughter up as mistreated and how she suffered and use them and bring in funds to help build the program. And all of this is making perfect sense except for they will die the second death. Get what I'm saying? The second death is the one that is no, you never get out. You never get out of this place, this lake of fire with the wrath of God overseeing your torturous burning. Listen, craving can become a burning. So if you go in there dying to get high, you'll never satisfy that craving again. For all, Look, you've never been rejuvenated. You've never been regenerated. Who said that you're going to live a life forever not wanting the same wicked things you wanted all your life? You'll want them forever. I just want to taste, bring and dip your finger in a cool water and drop it on my tongue. Okay, just let me taste it. There's no way I can cross that chasm, right? Even if I wanted to. You're over there. Well, go tell my family and friends. They've already been told. Okay? <laughs> you guys are following me with that parable. Bless the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to pray. Pray.